all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. us if we're family. Um, so when you're here, you're family. family. Alright, he did it at 8.30, but uh, I can't, at this point, it's like Pavlo, I can't preach without it, you know, I can't, can't move on. A um, couple of uh, housekeeping notes I wanted to get started with. Um, first, you may see that I have these notes up here, and I want to assure you, as lengthy as they are, uh, they are for you, not for me. Um, it's to keep me from talking for the next two hours, uh, keep me on, on track a little bit. I get a little off track from time to time, but there's a lot in these, uh, verses and, uh, you know, I don't have 16 weeks to cover them like your pastor does. So I, 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 he gave me, he gave me a couple to go through and I got to get through. Uh, the second thing is, is I wanted to make sure I had to be really careful at 830 service, but I want to make sure, um, last time I up here, I was up here, somebody was cutting onions. And, uh, I want to make sure that, uh, we'll make sure that Ken was standing ready. Um, I, I, I have a story about my dad a little later. If I get past that, we're probably okay. Okay. So we made sure Chuck and I worked to make sure that you were in my eye line. We're good. All right. So, uh, let's have some fun. Let's pray. Dear Lord, just thank you for this opportunity for us to be together. Lord, thank you for your word. Lord, thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. Thank you for the music that was up here. Lord, as we roll out of this Thanksgiving season, there is so much for us to be thankful for. And I can say that confidently, not knowing everybody's individual situation, but knowing that you love each and every one of us. Lord, I just thank you for this Christmas season as we're coming into it, Lord, that, that, that you give us eternity and you offer it freely to all of us. Lord, I just thank you for that. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. So last week, uh, Pastor Randy talked to us. Uh, this was the, the, the scripture was, be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. Um, I don't know where you fall into that, but I do better at some of those than others. Um, he mentioned the term faith growth process. I think we're going to talk about that over the next uh, few weeks. Uh, today's verse really builds upon that. It, it's... To me, it's similar in a lot of ways to a diet. A diet starts with what you put in your body. And when you read Matthew 10, where it says, don't worry about what you're going to say when you're put on trial, there are a couple of assumptions being made there. One, well, it was likely that you were going to be put on trial. And the second thing is, is that there is assumption that you were on a steady diet of God's word. And that God's word would be able to come out of you because you had been putting it inside of you, right? So the Christians reading James, they were facing persecution. In, in a lot of, lot of ways, their lives were riskier than ours. Maybe, they, maybe their lives were harder than ours. But we have our own challenges and we share some of the same challenges that they have. Um, complacency. Might be a challenge that you face, a desire to follow the world, a desire to follow ourselves, our own sinful desires, to be selfish with what we have. And although that times have changed, man has not. 
But we can take heart that God hasn't changed either. His offer of salvation through His Son hasn't changed either. And we can rejoice in that. Our verses today are the next phase in the faith growth process. James is asking us, now that you've heard all this, now that you've seen all this, now that you've read all this, what are you going to do with it? So let me read to you James 1, verses 22 through 25. But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in the mirror. For he looks at himself, and he goes away, and at once he forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. Now, I've heard it said that there are two types of people that are in grave danger. The first is a person who has no interest in hearing the word of God because they are horribly deceived about their spiritual condition. They think they're fine. But there's another group of people that are content to hear God's word and not obey it. And we're in just as much danger. I did some quick math um, based on the pacing that we have. In about 22 weeks, uh, Randy's going to get to chapter 2, verse 14 in James. And uh, and he's going to talk to us about the relationship between faith and works. But I'm going to tell you, James starts that message right here. This whole book, which has been referred to as the Proverbs of the New Testament, is not just a series of good sayings. It's a call to action. As those of you that are going through the gospel project, we were talking about the, the great commission this morning, right? This is, this is your, your commission. This is your challenge. That's what James is calling you to. These people were living this out, faith and action. The question is, what are you going to do with the knowledge that you have? Becoming a Christian is the start of something. It's not the finish line. While we're offered an eternal retirement plan, so to speak, we are called to a lifetime of service. Being a Christian simply means being a follower of Christ. Now, every preschooler knows how to follow the leader. And quite simply, it means you go where the leader leads you. Intent isn't really enough. I want to share a quick story. Some of you guys may know this story, um, but... It's, it's impactful to me and I wanted to share it. I was at a youth leader, uh, training. We were in Woodbridge, Virginia and, and, uh, and, and they were teaching us just how to be a youth leader, uh, a better youth leader. I wasn't really paying attention. Um, but, uh, but as a group exercise, they gave us this, uh, this challenge to, to think of somebody who, who we didn't really know if they had a relationship with Christ and, and pick that person and wanted to write this letter to them. The letter was supposed to express, you know, how much we cared about them and how much we cared that they, that they came to know a saving relationship with Jesus Christ. And I picked my dad. Um, so this was, uh, called the five minute letter. And the reason it was called the five minute letter is because they only gave you five minutes. But five minutes isn't enough to write that letter, right? So the idea is you're going to start it and you're going to write it. 
And, uh, and I'm going to tell you, for five minutes, I was a great student. I went and I furiously poured into that letter, and it just flowed out of me. And, and uh, I wrote, and I wrote, and kind of they said, all right, pencils down, you know. And, um, and I'm just going to tell you that, that, that uh, nobody in that room, and I can promise you, nobody in that room was more dedicated to finishing that letter than me. But, uh, but, but then we moved on and, and so did I, right? Now I cannot remember anything that I did after that, but I can tell you none of it was more important than finishing that letter. But I just got busy, just got busy being busy, right? And I didn't finish that letter. And, uh, and I'm sad about it and it, and it haunts me, quite honestly. Um, now I will tell you that in that particular situation, God gave me a second chance. Um, my dad passed away a few years later, but I was able to get to his hospital bed and be there for like a week. And we talked and I mean, I did the talking, which is kind of normal in a conversation that I'm a part of, but, but, uh, but, but I, I felt as though God gave me the opportunity to share that with him. But there are other times where I'm certainly more of a hearer and less of a doer. The next few verses, oh, stand down, Ken. The next few verses uh, are, are talk about mirrors, right? And and the idea is that the mirror reflects truth, but it's us to uh, but it is up to us to look at that mirror and see what it shows us. But before we get further into how mirrors work, um, we need to be aware that not all mirrors offer a true f- reflection. Um, I think of it in terms of types of mirrors. There's, there's what I'm going to call a world's mirror, right? I don't know if you guys have seen that show Shark Tank, right? But there's a lady on Shark Tank in California who created what she called the skinny mirror, okay? And she went on in 2014. I looked it up on Wikipedia. It's true, okay? Um, so this mirror was curved slightly, to make you look about five to 10 pounds skinnier. Okay. And they were going to market it to stores and put it in their dressing rooms so that you'd look good in, in there. And then she, she, she said that you'd sell 18% more clothes than, than without this mirror. Okay. Now, before you guys go putting it on your uh, Christmas list, I'll tell you, she went out of business in 2018, but you know, maybe you can bend a mirror or something like that. But but I would say it was not an accurate reflection of what was looking at it. Um, we look at those people around us every day as a sort of mirror, right? The problem with that type of mirror is that that reflection changes all the time. What's cool today isn't cool tomorrow. What's hot today isn't hot tomorrow. You don't believe me? Look at your yearbook. There's another type of mirror that I'm going to call the social media mirror. You know, now listen, I, I don't think the social media mirror is a bad mirror or a good mirror, right? It's a reflection of those people involved in it. And there's good and there's bad in both, right? But I want to tell a story about my daughter. She's right there. Um, I got her consent. Wouldn't have mattered. Um, but, uh, but, but one day about a few years ago, she went out with her friend and she got a manicure. And, uh, and then she came back and she had these pretty white nails and like an attentive father, I paid attention and hung on every word. And I was really interested to know if she, they had those like fish that were chewing away at the dead skin and stuff, but they didn't. And that's gross. 
Um, but, uh, but she, she just really kind of got, it was her first one and she had really just kind of got a, uh, you know, a normal, you know, white nails and they looked really nice. And, and, and like you do, she took a picture of it and, and she posted it on the line. And, uh, and so she, you know, got some comments back and I'm sure most of those comments were, were positive, you know, and of course we were hoping that was her shot at hand modeling, but, uh, we're still waiting. Um, but, but anyway, one of the comments that came back was, or maybe some of the comments that came back was, that's kind of plain. You could have got so much more, you know? And, uh, and I'm just going to tell you, it planted a seed, you know, just a seed of, man, maybe I, I could have got more. Now she was, Julia's strong and, uh, and she was, she was fine, but it's just there. It's so easy to just have that little seed planted, you know? And, and I think when you allow that to be your mirror and your reflection, you know, and what you look at, and, and if you're going to judge whether or not I'm okay based off whether that person validates me or not, it's a dangerous game. It's a dangerous game. Um, James was talking about God's mirror, right? His word, right? And, and again, last week, Randy kind of talked to us about this, that, that, there was an example that he used last week um, when when Nathan kind of acted as God's mirror to David, you know, and he and he said to him, you know, about the story of of you know this man, and he said, "You are the man," and he reflected on uh, back to David, the man that that David had become, or the man that David was becoming, and uh, and that's a really good mirror to have somebody around you that will hold you accountable like that. Um, especially if they're focused on what God would have for you. That's the right kind of mirror. And Nathan was David's advisor, and he was he was really doing him a favor showing him this reflection. Now, this type of accountability, it doesn't hurt us in the long run. It's going to help us in the long run, but it can sting. It can sting in the moment. Um, I, that's why God's Word is referred to as a two-edged sword. Um, Christians are just as accountable to its Word as those people we want to preach to, Right? It works both ways. So as I was reading and I was looking at this mirror um, analogy and stories that they're telling, I was wondering why they use the term man in the mirror, you know, because a, a man looking at a mirror is a, is a little different, you know, than, than maybe a woman looking at a mirror. And we'll, we'll get into that. I'm sure you're all riveted. Okay. But, but I wanted to, to kind of show you well, how, how can, you know, how can I show you properly, especially you ladies who don't see men looking in a mirror all the time? What does it look like for a man to look in a mirror? And, and, um, and so, um, with the help of Bob and Randy, you may have seen him run some cables, but we, we put some cameras in the men's bathroom a couple weeks back. And, and, uh, and I've been filming you guys for a couple of weeks, right? And I wanted to pull out, uh, uh, you know, some good video. And I got a video clip here that I think we're about to show. So, so here we go. This is a man looking in a mirror. Hey. Now that's pretty much it, right? You, you go into a mirror, right? And you're like, I can't do much to improve that, you know, and, and, uh, and you move on, right? And, and I think a lot of us are like Fonzie where we just kind of say, we're, we're good enough. You know, I, I see myself, I'm passable, you know, C equals degree. Um, for some of you, D equals degree. Um, but here's the thing. Now that unmerited confidence, I see the college students laughing. Um, but, uh, but, but, so, but some of us, um, you know, that unmerited confidence, it can actually work in our favor, right? 
um, for us guys, you know, I think it's the reason why a lot of us have been able to marry up, as they say. You know, we believe in ourselves a little bit more than we should. Um, it's fine. Women kind of have a little different experience when they look in the mirror. I'd say a little more critical, a little more critical of an eye. I think it also helps us marry up, if I'm being honest, all right? But but still, what I'll say is I, I think there's a, a level of maybe we're just, we're not good enough or we're too good or whatever that, that neither are true, right? We kind of need to come to this true reflection of, of who God wants us to be. And, and the reality is, is each of us have to ask ourselves a question when we're looking at a mirror of, well, what am I going to do with the information now that I have it? You know, and there's no ignoring it at that point. You see it. It's right in front of you. So you really have kind of four things you can do. You can ignore it. Sometimes we ignore it. You can cover it up. You can try to hide it, right? Or you can fix it. We're forced into that choice. Now, in um, verse 23 and 24, there's... there. They're talking about this guy that looks in a mirror, kind of takes it in, and then moves on from it and doesn't do anything about it. And and I'm I'm no Greek or Hebrew scholar, but I will tell you they use a different word for look in verses 23 and 24 than they do in 25, right? And and so in in 24, 23, it's to notice something, to see it for yourself. Um, but not necessarily drive you to action, right? Like, I'll get to that later. Like, you know, that joke about, you know, if a man says he's going to get to something, you know, he's going to get to it. No need to nag him every six months, you know. Um, but but it's this idea that, you know, I'm working on it, right? But, but I'll get to it when I get to it. But 25 is different. The look in, in verse 25 is, is what I've called a world-changing type of look. It's used again in, in John 20, in John 20 verse 5 when the disciples rush to the empty tomb and they look in and they see that the linen cloths are there and they, and, and to me that's a world changing type moment and, and the way you look at that was different. You know, and, and you think about it. I mean, I'll, I'll tell you I've heard that verse, you know, all my life and I never really thought about, you know, how you would look if, if you came upon that tomb and expected it to you know, to be the man you had been following for three years and you expected to see this thing and yet you had heard these rumors and then you get there and you see for yourself that there's something not the way that you thought it was going to be and you're going to look at that. You're going to examine it, every detail. They They didn't even understand in the moment what they were seeing, right? But it was changing everything. It was confirming who Jesus was that he was who he said he was for those football fans out there. In fact, Jesus was more than anything any of them ever thought he was. And that's still true today for us. It says that the mirror, the right mirror, the true mirror, the mirror that we're talking about, God's mirror, says that that mirror shows us the perfect law, the law of liberty. This idea of law and liberty they don't always sound like they marry up, right? But why did God give us the law? Right? You ask yourselves, I'm sure, right? He gave us the law to show us what right looks like, a perfect reflection of what God wanted us to be. And yeah, we fall short of it, but at least we know the standard. We, we see it, right? It's not something that's going to be changed under the next leader. This is an unchanging law, a true North Star that I can... I can build my foundation around. 
And then he gave us Jesus Christ to come and be that living embodiment of that law, the walking, talking law, right? And he lived it out, and we got to see that, right? And people were able to kind of build their lives around him. Now, Satan wants you to feel differently about the law. Satan wants you to feel as though it's restrictive, that it's constraining. And I'm going to tell you, you know, you think about the, the laws that your parents give you, your chores and the, and, the, and the restrictions that we try to give, you know, our kids or whatever. Um, even in our, even in our uh, Sunday school lesson this morning, they talked about the word authority and how authority sometimes just inherently has a negative context to it, right? But I'm just going to tell you, that's only true if you're trying to live outside of that authority. It's only true if you're trying to live outside of that law. The law itself isn't constraining. You are constraining yourself if you're trying to fight it, right? Jesus explains this further in John 8, 31 and 36. I'll read it to you. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. And if you know the truth, the truth will set you free. And they answered him saying, we are offspring of Abraham and have never been a slave to anyone. How is it that you say that you will become free? And Jesus answered them saying, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever, but the son remains forever. So if that son sets you free, then you are free indeed. Following God is not slavery. Not following him is slavery. I read somewhere that if I am in conflict with the Bible, I need to change, not the Bible. But still, we try to find another measuring stick. We try to find some other way out. We let thoughts creep into our head that we are good enough. At least I'm not like that person, or I'm better than that person, or I'm more giving and more charitable than that person. But that's simply not the standard. We may be tempted, like the Pharisee in Luke, to subconsciously pray, God, I thank you. That I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like that tax collector out there. But let us remember who walked away from the temple justified that day. We can be so full of ourselves. Just remember those two dangers I talked about earlier. We can be so full of ourselves that there's no room for God. Or we may just ignore his teachings altogether. Or at least only apply them when we feel as though they are beneficial to us. Our true reason for looking in the mirror is simple. And it should be this. What parts of our lives look like Jesus and what doesn't? I've said for a long time that it's not love to see somebody doing something that's destroying them. And just let them continue in it. Actually, I... I remember Megan's testimony up here, and she kind of said that, you know, that there were people that were trying to pour into her life, telling you, hey, you're walking down a dangerous road, and she just couldn't listen to it. And her prayer is, now that I've gone through it, I pray that you listen to me, right? That's all of us, right? We all have those struggles. I use a, I use kind of a dumb analogy about this, um, that is not love. It's not love as a parent, you know, to just give in to your kids doing whatever they want. If If my son is chasing a ball, right? It's not love for me. It's not loving of me to let him go into traffic to get that ball, you know, even if he really wants it. Now, I mean, at this point, he's 22. He should know better, okay? He's on his own. But, you know, still we try. Um, 
you know, and, and kind of another way of looking at it is we kind of base this thing off of like, well, why am I blessed? You know, what does blessed mean? We use this word blessed a lot. And, I, and, and I'll admit, you know, I think we, we let the word blessed creep a little too much into material things, right? That we tie blessed to what I have. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm just going to tell you, I know COVID has been a tough year for you guys. I guess it is COVID isn't a year, but it, you know, it's like a millennium, but anyway, but, 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 but COVID has actually been pretty cool for me. You know, we, we've been home. Uh, we were empty nesters this time last year and both our kids are home with us now. And that's been wonderful. It's been expensive, but wonderful. Um, you know, it, 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 it's, it's been cool. I'm, I've been able to be home more and, 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 uh, that's been wonderful. Last year, my wife, uh, bought me these old He-Man toys and, and that was kind of a win-win cause she, she bought, um, used stuff and, and it was a good gift, right? So it's like kind of a win-win. I will be honest with you. I didn't throw this into the first service, but I actually learned about how to make a mirror through He-Man. So this is very fitting. Okay. I'll show you the episode if you need it. Okay. Um, but the other thing is, is that in addition to getting those awesome toys, I paid off my car this year, a little more adult than playing with toys. Okay. I, I got a physical a couple of weeks back. Well, last week, um, and, uh, and the blood work came back really good. And the lady said that I was six foot tall. So, you know, everything's fake. But I'm just telling you, you know, the reality is, is Beth's been telling me that I've been six foot for a long time. So it's like it's invoking it. OK, but 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 what I will tell you is those things are going to fade. I'm going to need another car. You know, there's going to be another version of He-Man's going to come out that I'm going to want those toys. All right. And um, and you guys have been coming through for Randy. So. All right. But uh, but 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 what I will tell you is, you know, even though my dreams of playing the NBA are pretty still distant, you know, you know, the thing is, is that contentment is is the definition of being blessed, you know, being whole, following your purpose. That's how you're blessed. Right. Following in God's word, living out what he wants you to do. In Philippians 4, as you know, you guys know this verse, but, but Paul talks about learning to be content, whether he has or he has not, right? And, and that he, in, in both of those situations, he felt as though he was blessed. Not because of the stuff, but because Christ was at the center of it, right? That's, that's what it has to be for us. And I can tell you that if that's the case it is for COVID for you this year, if, if Christ is at the center of it for you, you're gonna, you're gonna find that, that reason to be thankful, right? Because we all have it. Right. We go back to the situation that that James was dealing with when he was writing to the book, writing in the book. I, I will tell you, it's it, we got to keep this in mind that that we benefit from James's book and his writings. And, and this book is awesome. Right. But there were people that were needing it right back then. And those people were they were being persecuted. They were being arrested. They were scared. Some were doubting. They were in danger. Right? Some were even dying. And it's a little difficult to preach to them the prosperity gospel when that is their situation. But that said, James was reminding them God is on the throne. Just like today, God is on the throne. You can be reminded that you are fearfully and wonderfully made, that there is a plan and that God wants you to be a part of it. More than anything, you can remind them, and James was reminding them, that they are loved and they are saved by grace. That was enough for them, and it's enough for you. 
What does it look like, though, to be a doer of the word to you? To be honest, I don't know. I don't know what it looks like for you. But it really has everything to do with what you see in the mirror. Do you need to be more forgiving? Do you need to be more thankful, more generous? Do you need to let your pride go a little? Do you need to spend more time in prayer and in God's word? Yes, you do. I can't answer all of those things for you, but I would encourage you not to wait. Give the man on the street the $5 and don't worry about what he's going to do with it. Just tell him that you love him and that God loves him. Forgive the person that hurt you because it's holding you back more than it's hurting them. Just as Elsa tells us, let it go. Send a note of encouragement when you think about it. I got this note from Donna Doherty this week. She's in my Sunday school class, and my class is awesome, and she's awesome. This note, very helpful to me. Build those people up around you instead of tearing them down. Now, for me, I just need to keep making sure that I finish the letter when I have time and while there's still time. So let us pray. Dear Lord, just thank you so much for this time that you've given us. We know that it's not promised that today is a gift. Let us treat it like a gift, Lord. Thank you so much for all that you've done for us. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for this church where we can come and we can worship. Lord, thank you for keeping us healthy. And and thank you for just giving us, most of all, thank you for giving us your son who grants us eternal hope that this world can't take away and that you offer it to every single person, Lord. And I pray for all those people out there that don't know that, that they would feel that love and that maybe we are the conduit so that they could feel that love. Lord, just thank you for for all that you continue to do in our lives. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.